America is home to lots of things that we get to claim are the biggest and greatest, but there's one facility in the U.S. that probably deserves more bragging rights than any other, and it's not one that's often talked about. It's the biggest library in the world, and it also just happens to be one incredible display of American architecture. I'm Jason Epperson, and this is the See America podcast. From coast to coast, we see America one mile at a time, discovering stops along the way that are eclectic, historic, ridiculous, breathtaking, inspiring, and humbling. This week, the Library of Congress. This great destination is brought to you by Road Trippers, America's number one road trip planning app. Road Trippers helps people discover the world around them in an entirely new way by streamlining discovery, planning, booking, and navigation. Plan your unique journey at roadtrippers.com, then use the app as your ultimate travel guide and navigator. Adventure doesn't come from the fastest route. Start exploring at roadtrippers.com. I think one of the biggest mistakes people make when they put Washington, D.C. on their travel itineraries is not giving it enough time. I know we were guilty on our first visit. We had about 36 hours, which was just enough time to walk by the Washington Monument, go to the White House Visitor Center, walk to the Lincoln Memorial, and visit just one of the 17 Smithsonian Museums. There's so much to do in D.C. You could spend a month and not see it all. There's the National Archives where the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, and Declaration are stored. There's the Capitol Building, the Jefferson Memorial, the various war memorials, heart-stopping each. Ford's Theater, the Tidal Basin and Cherry Blossoms, the National Cathedral, the Kennedy Center. And so much of it is free and wonderful. But D.C. is more than just a place where we remember and reflect on the great and difficult of American history. It's where the world meets. And it's where we hold centuries of knowledge and discovery. The amount of information and artifacts contained within the Smithsonian and the National Archives alone are mind-boggling. But they pale in comparison to the information stored at the Library of Congress. The Library of Congress began in 1800 with a small appropriation to buy reference books within the Capitol building. Unlike Philadelphia or New York where Congress had previously met, There were no libraries in the infant city of Washington, so one was created out of necessity. To replenish the collection that was destroyed by the British when they burned the Capitol building during the War of 1812, Congress purchased Thomas Jefferson's 6,487-volume library. From that time on, the Congressional Library has steadily grown into what is today the largest in the world, with more than 170 million items. When the U.S. established rules for copyright registration, a stroke of genius required two copies of each work to be sent to the library. Now, the library receives some 15,000 items each and every day. Since 1962, the Library of Congress has maintained offices abroad to acquire, catalog, and preserve library and research materials, including a New Delhi office, Cairo, Rio de Janeiro, Jakarta, Nairobi, and Islamabad. Approximately half of the library's book and serial collections 
are in languages other than English, including the largest assemblage of Chinese, Japanese, and Korean materials outside of Asia, the largest collection of Russian language materials outside of Russia, and the largest Latin American collection in the world. It's the largest law library, the largest rare book collection, and even has one of the largest books in the world. It's five by seven foot featuring color images of Bhutan created by a team of students from MIT. The oldest written material in the library is a cuneiform tablet dating from 2040 BC. There's one of the three perfect vellum prints of the Gutenberg Bible. There's the papers of 23 presidents, including George Washington. More than 17 million visual images, including the most comprehensive international collection of posters in the world and the most comprehensive visual record of the Civil War. There are more than 36 million sound recordings and more than 1.8 million film, television and video items, representing more than a century of audiovisual production. And of course, the most comprehensive collection of American music in the world with more than 22 million items. The library's geography and map division holds more than 5.6 million items. You guessed it, the world's largest. The collection includes a 1507 world map, the first document on which the name America appears. There are more than 124,000 telephone books, 140,000 comic books, the country's largest collections of technical reports and standards. The Library of Congress is truly one of America's greatest accomplishments. If you're on vacation to D.C., it's a sight to see, just for the sheer size. But it's also no slouch in the architecture department. With the history of the Library of Congress buildings, here's Abigail Trebu. Before the Capitol was burned, the library was already outgrowing its digs. There was never enough space to shelve the collections properly, and it was decided upon reconstruction of the Capitol to move the library into its own building, which would be named after the library's patron, Thomas Jefferson. The grand design of the Thomas Jefferson building was based on the Paris Opera House and was aimed at proclaiming America's faith in learning and knowledge as vital strengths in upholding the Republic. With its synthesis of architecture, art, decoration, and ambition, the Library of Congress's Jefferson Building ranks among America's greatest achievements. When it opened November 1st, 1897, writers could not find enough ways to herald the new day they saw for American civilization. The grandeur of the building, its size and scope, the noble artwork and fascinating sculpture left many Americans breathless. Many saw the new building as the fulfillment of American intellectual promise and the perfection of American art. One said that it was likely to long remain unrivaled in this or any other country. While another said, Not until I stand before the judgment seat of God do I ever expect to see this building transcended. In the late 19th century, the architectural style of the Jefferson Building was said to be Italian Renaissance. Today, it is recognized as a premier example of the Beau art style, which is theatrical, heavily ornamented, and kinetic. 
It is a style perfectly suited to a young, wealthy, and imperialistic nation in its gilded age. The materials, 15 varieties of marble, 400,000 cubic feet of granite, bronze, gold, and mahogany were expensive but would last a thousand years. The building was a hollow rectangle with a massive rotunda reading room, book stacks, and four courtyards occupying the core. The front faces the Capitol building, rising four stories above grade with a low dome covering the central reading room. A split stair featuring the Neptune fountain rises multiple flights to the main entrance with three pairs of sculpted bronze doors. The granite exterior is heavy and rustic at the lowest level, but grows finer and smoother as the walls rise. Paired Corinthian columns flank the central portico, which has busts of famous writers framed by circular windows. A gold-leafed flame of knowledge tops off the dome. As large and immaculate the Jefferson Building was, the collection quickly outgrew it, and more space was required. In 1928, the Librarian of Congress, Herbert Putnam, urged the authorization of an annex to relieve the potential space shortage that was sure to affect the 31-year-old main building. Despite stack space that was added in 1910 and 1927, the prospect of running out of room in the near future was real. $6,500,000 was appropriated to build the annex, along with a tunnel to connect it to the main building. Architect of the Capitol, David Lynn, commissioned the Washington architectural firm of Pearson and Wilson to design it, with Alexander Buell Trowbridge as consulting architect. The contract stipulated completion by June 24, 1938, but the building was not ready for occupancy until December 2nd. It opened its doors to the public on January 3, 1939. It was known simply as the Annex, before being named for President John Adams. The John Adams Building is a well-detailed but restrained Art Deco design. The style was inspired by a decorative arts exposition in 1925 Paris. The building rises five stories above ground, with the fifth set back 35 feet. It contains 180 miles of shelving compared to 104 miles in the Jefferson Building and can hold 10 million volumes. There are 12 tiers of stacks extending from the cellar to the fourth floor. Each tier provides about 13 acres of shelf space. Surrounding the central bookstack core are three floors of offices with access to natural light and air. The exterior is faced with white Georgia marble with subtle carved decoration. The bronze and glass doors feature the history of the written word depicted in 12 figures. The building's interior showcased new modern materials such as acoustical block, formica, and glass tubing. Decorative features and metalwork exemplify Art Deco's streamlined classicism. When the Adams Building opened in 1939, the library shelving capacity tripled to 15 million volumes. A pneumatic tube system whisked books in leather pouches from the annex to the main reading room across the street in just 28 seconds. 
1957, another librarian of Congress, Quincy Mumford, initiated studies for a third library building to ease overcrowding. Congress appropriated planning funds for the structure in 1960. In an unrelated move that same year, Congress established a commission to create a national memorial for James Madison, father of the Constitution and fourth president of the United States. Soon, the goals of both ventures were merged when it was decided to construct the latest library building as a memorial to Madison. Construction of the James Madison Memorial Building of the Library of Congress was approved on October 19, 1965, at a cost of $75 million. Excavation and foundation work began in June of 1971, and work on the superstructure was completed in 1976. The cornerstone was laid on March 8, 1974. The building finally opened on May 28, 1980. The Madison building was designed by the firm of DeWitt, Poor, and Shelton, which had previously designed the east extension of the Capitol that was built from 1958 to 1962. With its tall, plain columns, the design attempted to capture the spirit of classical architecture while remaining faithful to modern innovation. Critics have generally not been impressed and usually deride the building as a cold, graceless, hard-edged box. That's fine because it's absolutely massive. The Madison Building is 500 feet wide and 400 feet deep, containing 2,100,000 square feet. It is one of the three largest public buildings in the Washington area, along with the Pentagon and FBI Building. With so much space at the Library of Congress, you can give a lot of time to it. There are lots of different tour options, but most will just walk the halls of the Jefferson Building for themselves or take a free one-hour walking tour to learn about its history, symbolic art, and architecture. The library is not just a collection of books and information, though. It's interpreted for you in rotating displays and exhibitions, and there are tons of free events and lectures to take part in. And of course, you can get yourself a library card explore the collections, research, listen, watch, and read. As is custom at several of the D.C. sites, visitors entering the library's buildings must go through airport-like security. Leave your razors, pocket knives, and suitcases behind. This episode of See America was hosted by me, Jason Epperson, with narration by Abigail Trebu. If you like the show, we'd love a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. We'd also like to invite you to follow the See America podcast on Instagram and Facebook and join the See America Facebook group, where we chat about some of America's greatest road trip destinations. If you're a national park lover, we hope you'll also check out the America's National Parks podcast or come listen to Abigail and me talk about our life on the road with our three boys on the RV Miles podcast. This great destination was brought to you by Road Trippers, America's number one road trip planning app. Plan your unique journey at roadtrippers.com, then use the app as your ultimate travel guide and navigator. Adventure doesn't come from the fastest route. Start exploring at roadtrippers.com. Roadtrippers.